0: to the truth in the art. I'm your host Rob Lee. And today I'm privileged to be in conversation with the chef and owner of the Alfred Restaurant Group. They've earned a claim from Duck Duck Goose Baltimore and Duck Duck Goose Bethesda. They were named Maryland Chef of the Year 2019 by the Maryland Restaurant Association, a prestigious award that recognizes overall excellence in the food service industry and dedication to the community. Please welcome Chef Ashish Alfred. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, so, thank you so much for having me. I'm grateful to be here. at long last indeed. I think we've been we've been kicking this back and forth for a little while now. It's been amazing to to watch your 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 show grow a little bit, and I'm I'm glad to be a guest here. So thank you for having me.
0: Thank you, and um, you know, I, I gotta say, like I've been to several of the restaurants that are under the the group or what have you, and um, yeah, it's it's kind of my date night spot. It, it's it's one of those things I like to look impressive. Now, granted, okay. Granted, it was one time, the first time I went to um Duck Duck Goose in Baltimore, I uh the escargot went flying because I am I'm un I'm unfamiliar with it. It bounced okay. off of my it bounced off my tit and I was like, what's what's going on here? <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna pick that up and I'm gonna eat that, but you know, no, nobody judge me. Nobody judged what I just did, you know. <laughs> that, that's a bad look on a date. That's a bad <laughs> look on a date. Eh, she's been with me for a while. She knows what it is. She was like, you're going to eat that, (laughs) Archie. So before I get too, too deep and embarrass myself further, um, I, I want to get the, um, you know, the story, like, you know, what is, and I, and I know that you've, you've probably mentioned this on, on more than one occasion. So if you want to like, you know, omit or modify, however you would like to do it, but what is the chef owl story? And, um, in it, could you talk about maybe your fascination with food and your decision to pursue food? Sure. Uh,
1: the chef owl story is, um, I got started in hospitality, I'll say not necessarily um, wanting to cook, but I got started in hospitality as a way to get out of school. I I, I didn't like school. Uh, And the first chance I got to sign on to, we called it on the job training when I was in high school, where you went to school for half the day and then you found a job for the other half of the day, uh, a certain number of hours in the week. It was at a place right around the corner from my house. little neighborhood Italian place, and uh, I got a job as a host. Uh, It was my first taste of like the hustle and bustle of restaurants, and I enjoyed it. Um, After a while, I I think that um, the hours just weren't working for me, and um, I needed something else, and I think I just wanted to make more money too, so I found my next job at a Starbucks. So I walked into a Starbucks, and uh, I thought the barista was the coolest guy in the world. It was back when Starbucks was was still, a, you know, a real coffee shop where they would, like, you know, pull the shots in front of you and they had to, like, pay attention to what they were doing. You know, not like today where they just, like, hit a button for macchiato and hit a button for this and hit a button for that. And, you know, this, this computer with two steam ones on it just does all the work um I, I loved it you know i i loved the, the the camaraderie that i could see was there already um you know amongst the the different baristas and and the people that were in that space and you know it was a group of oddballs and i i i thought yeah you know i i, I can get down with that um got my next job um you know worked through a couple different bars uh i was a bar back um i you know caught a gig working the door in a couple places um you know kind of worked my way through hospitality realized that you know the best place for me to be was was maybe not out in front where all the alcohol was uh and and to put myself maybe in the back um so with no real um passion for cooking other than like you know all these food network whatever i had been watching i uh I was like, well, you know, I have flunked out of college a couple of times. I need an excuse to uh, to get, you know, to, to put some sort of piece of paper in my pants or under my belt that I can convince my parents that I know how to do something. So I said, OK, well, I will uh, I'll go to culinary school. So I need an excuse to go to New York City. So I found culinary school and I was like, look, the guy on TV, Bobby Flay, Bobby Flay has been there and Jada De Laurentiis has been there. And uh, my parents go, all right, fine, whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's something he seems excited about it right now. So we'll get him up there. So I get up there, um, not knowing anything about cooking, but knowing how to hustle. You know, I'd learned how to hustle, um, working in bars and restaurants and, and, um, even back as a, as a little barista at Starbucks when I was a kid. And, and, um, I, that did well for me. Um, you know, the, the, the oddballs, the, the kind of the, the violent pressure that comes with being in it. All that was very, very familiar to me. So where kids were, uh, I say kids, I mean, we were 21 at the time, but, um, you know, where, where kids were crapping out because they didn't like how the instructor yelled at them. And I was like, yo, you've never met my parents. Like, this is cool. <laughs> like you can, you can yell at me all day long, throw something at me. I don't care. I'm, I'm good. Um, and I just, I kind of fit in. Like I knew, I knew how to move my body. I knew how to stay out of the way. I knew how to, um, you know, I could withstand the heat. I, I it, it just, it, it came to me. Um, I wouldn't say that I was gifted for cooking, but like the idea of being in a tense, somewhat violent, irrational environment just came to me very easily. Um, so I ended up, despite all odds, I did pretty well. Um, I stayed in New York for a while, um, behaved very badly um, for a while um <clears throat> behaved very badly for a while and uh then mom decided it was time for me to come back home so i came back home and um you know i had this culinary diploma and all kinds of ego and didn't really know shit um but you know had my mom convinced that i could run this huge behemoth of a restaurant in downtown bethesda um which you know where i'm from is a pretty competitive restaurant market um yeah. and and very expensive uh so ran that into the ground, um, ran myself into the ground. Um, made some life changes, came back stronger. And with uh, fifty thousand dollars in a prayer, I opened uh, my first Duck Duck Goose, and um, it's you know kind of been uh, a, a, a bumpy fairy tale. We'll say that, but it's been a fairy tale ever since. You know, we still work very hard. Um, we are up to three Duck Duck Geese now. Um, there's one No Way Rosé. We just opened an Anchor Bar. We're getting ready to open Osteria Parada. Um, you know, uh, the the cooking in all the spaces is is soulful, familiar. Something you know, I try to say that we have something for everyone in every restaurant. Yeah. Um, so that that is the, the chef Al Sorry. I'm a I'm yeah I'm a hospitality guy with culinary diploma
0: i love it i love it and definitely want to talk to you a little bit about hospitality because that has become a bigger part of the conversation when it comes to where people are going to invest their time their money their energy when they're they're going out i think you know 2020 has led to that sort of shift or what have you and we've looked at things differently so i would definitely love to get your take on that um you know from your vantage point but before I um before I move past this sort of like introductory chunk uh I I want to throw this question out there too you know I want to get your, your take on it um so I've read that yeah. uh, Baltimore, you know, since that's that's where I would have gone to your place, both No Way Rose and Dr. Goose, uh, mm-hmm. I read I read that Baltimore isn't a chef city, but more of a restaurant city. And I, I f- it feels like it's shifting, maybe like other cities like New York or what have you and in other places. And I see that you we were part of the Visit Baltimore sort of like rebrand for 2020. Like, how do you see that landscape like evolving further in Baltimore and in DMV? Is it more I want to go to this sort of restaurant group, or am I following this the chef, this sort of cuisine? What is your take on the the sort of like climate of the restaurant industry in terms of chefs versus restaurants? I think it's a really stupid statement.
1: Um, you know, I, I think that behind every restaurant is a chef. Whether sure. you like, you know, if you like the restaurant, if you like the restaurant, it's because you know there's a chef working really hard um, back there. Yeah. Um, I think that um, you know, are there as many Are there as many, um, you know, independently, you know, chef-driven restaurants in Baltimore? No. Um, And, and, you know, we can talk about why that is (laughs) at length, I think, but I think the simple answer is, you know, Baltimore's a risky bet, uh, and it, it has been for some time. Um, the 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 barriers to entry are are relatively low. I mean, um, it's it's still pretty. Re- you can still get leases pretty reasonably in Baltimore, but um, you know, it, it's it's a prevalent question: Is Baltimore going to break into riot? You know, tomorrow is is um, you know what's going to happen with the government there? You know, where where are my clients going to park where they're not going to be accosted by um, by by the less fortunate um you know and i I think it's happening in a lot of cities um i I think it's just for uh, you know at its forefront in baltimore a little bit it's it's um yeah i think you know even with that statement man there's there's some great chefs in baltimore that have been doing it there for a long long time you got guys like chad gauss you got guys like uh you know i'm sorry not guys you got you know cindy um who's been who's been there for a long time um you've got uh uh What's his name? Um, the the Ekiben guy. guy. Um, yeah. Name's on the tip of my tongue. Steve, um, Steve Chu um, puts out a great product. Um, you know, and and you know, I'd, I'd, <clears throat> even some of the Atlas guys, Julia Marucci over at Tagliata. Some of the best pasta I've had, and I've had pasta from New York um, up to Boston and out to the West Coast. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, there, there's some there's some really great chefs. A new guy. Uh, he's cooking at Water Song in Fed Hill. Um, some of the most authentic, authentic food I've had um, and, and really, really, really hardworking guy behind that stove. Um, so I, I think that's I don't know if that's a smart statement. You know, it, it's it's chefs that make the press. It's, you know, everybody. Working in a restaurant makes a restaurant great, right? But um, there's a lot of chefs that are very well invested. The guy at Poppy's Cuisine, um, yeah. you know, not my favorite kind of food, but the guy's working it. And he's got a line out the door every Saturday and Sunday. He's turning 600 covers Saturday and Sunday. You want to tell me it's not a chef-driven restaurant? I mean, I, I think, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of chefs putting in a lot of hard work and 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 kind of dealing with, with some of the, pardon my French, but some of the bullshit that comes with Baltimore um, because they believe in Baltimore. They want to see Baltimore be a better place. Yeah.
0: It's fair. Yeah. yeah. So I, w- I want to talk to you a little bit about like developing the menu. You have, um, you know, a slew, a slew of, re- of different restaurants and you, you kind of touched on it earlier where, you know, there, there's, there's something for everyone there, you know, there's something that you'll find within that whole sort of like roster restaurant. So tell me, talk to me about the, the process of developing a menu, building out a menu, like what goes into that? What is the development process?
1: I think, you know, for us, we, we have a brand now. So it's you know when I started my first Duck Duck Goose, a lot of it was you know what do I want to cook? Now you know with me on the stove, with me here every day, what do I want to cook every day? What do I want to do? Like how do I want to kind of like flex my creative muscle a little bit? But I think that now I have a responsibility to you know about two hundred some odd employees, so it's you know it's, it's not just me anymore. Um, so for me, I have to my my menu development, the things that I do have to be consistent with what my clientele expects from me when they come in. You know, you come into Duck Duck Goose, and I tell you, I've got a Thai noodle salad on the menu. You might try it because it's a novel idea, um, but it's not why it's not why somebody who might be coming to Duck Duck Goose for the first time is, is coming in. Um, so, you know, we try to change our menu seasonally. Uh, try to do things that we think are, are relevant, uh, things that are kind of in keeping with 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 trends um, culinarily. But you know, part of the reason I love French food so much is you can't beat a classic. <laughs> uh, I mean, your head turns the exact same way. You see a 67 Camaro roll down the street or you see a 2006 Ferrari roll down the street. You know what I mean? I'm sorry. A, a 2022 car Ferrari roll down the street. You feel the same way. You're going to stop and stare both times. Um, right. So for me, um, you know, we do we do slightly modern renditions of the classics, but we try to keep it within the parameters of what people expect when they walk into a French brass mm. I
0: like that. I like that, yeah. Like you know, like I said, I've I've been to two of the places, and um, yeah, to, it's 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 a great experience. Um, and yeah, I kind of came to this sort of you know understanding and almost expectation, and then I remember um speaking with you a little bit about a really really decadent bread pudding that was at Duck Duck Goose, and I was like, okay, yeah,
1: this is <laughs> this is what I'm here for. This is what I'm here for. <laughs> i mean it's it's think about it what's bread pudding it's croissants croissants (laughs) or what butter and and you know we we drown the whole thing in in caramel uh and 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 then we top that off with with like a a creme anglaise i mean it's just cream on butter on sugar on uh, i mean it's it's what everybody craves after eating a heavy meal
0: yeah yeah it's
1: funny i had this i had this one kid uh he came in and he chefs for me for a little while and um obviously i'm not going to say his name but he was a real gem. Uh, I'm rolling my eyes. You can't tell Uh, a real gem. And and he came to me in, uh, it was, it was like springtime. It was like May or something like that. And, um, gave me a hard time about the French onion soup that was on the menu. I'm not a moron. I understand that it's 90 degrees outside, but when people walk into the place and if they want French onion soup, what am I going to tell them? No. Yeah. Yeah. They have an expectation and, and you know, how, I mean, how big of an ego do I have that I'm going to say, no, no, it's, it's the springtime. You have to eat despacho. No, I'm just going to go to the next guy that's got fucking French onion soup that isn't full of his own ego.
0: No, I I dig that. I, I dig that. And I, I think like, you know, food guys, like people that are in that sort of industry have a certain intensity that goes along with it, and a certain like, this is how this is going to work. And especially when it's your place, like this is how this works. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. let's, let's work within that, that system.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, I have, obviously, you know, I have not gotten where I've, I haven't, we haven't gotten here by, by my brain alone, right? Like obviously sure. it is, it has been collaborative at many turns of the road. Um, I do pick up the phone and, and, and pick up the phone have a meeting, have a conversation, whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, uh, a client comes first, um, yeah. and, 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 and the team comes first. So whatever's, is, whatever's is best for the common good is, is what we decide to do. It's not, um, you know, these restaurants don't run off of, you know, m- my best thinking alone.
0: Yeah. And and I think a big piece of it is, is passion or what have you. And I've, you know, spoken with a fair amount of chefs, cause I, you know, I kind of look up the chefs or what have you, it's a, it's a it's a, certain type of personality that needs to be there for that situation to succeed. There, you know, there are extremes of it, but there has to be a certain personality type to succeed. And, you know, looking over, you know, your background and your history, it's a lot of a lot of things in here, Baltimore Business Journal, you know, top 40 under 40, uh, Maryland chef of the year, things of that nature. Looking back, like, what are some of those career highlights for you, like, you know, what do you at hold at a higher prestige.
1: You know, people give me first of all, I should say I'm I'm really grateful for for every single one of those accolades that I've gotten. And every single one of those accolades that I've gotten is because of the, the dishwashers and the porters and the food runners and the bussers and the waiters and the waitresses and the managers and, and all those other people that come into play, right? Those, those are the people that make those things happen. Um, for me, I, 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 have a, I have an idea when it comes to Duck, Duck, Goose. That idea takes people to bring to life. And, and it's the people that bring those ideas to life every day, relentlessly, you know, lunch, dinner, breakfast, lunch and dinner in some of the places, brunch on weekends. Um, th- those are the people that make those things happen. So while I'm, I'm happy to be the recipient of the physical piece of whatever that is, um, you know, uh, really all credit, um, goes to, I, I think God first and, and and second, the people that have stood by my side, every step of the way to answer your question though, you know, what has stood out the most, um, to me, um, you know, I, I get a lot of flack because I don't hang any of these awards in the restaurants. Um, nothing against the chefs to do right nothing against the chefs to do um but uh i don't because um i was that whatever somebody gave me that award for that day i was i was that good that day i'm not necessarily that good today so uh this is not a business where you can rest on your laurels um it's like uh you know a lot of the old restaurants in little italy um they've got their awards on the wall from 1992 you know, um, the guy making the lasagna in 1992, ain't the same guy making it right now. Right. Um, so for, for me, I, I think the, the biggest, for me, what that did for me, um, or, or, or a couple of those reviews that I got was okay. Earn it. You got it. Now earn it. Yeah. Now earn it every day. You, you got it. So you set the expectation, right? So you've set this expectation for the world to have when they come into your restaurant, now earn it every day, and surround yourself with people that are going to earn that every fucking day.
0: That that sounds like Aquarius energy. I feel, but maybe I'm wrong.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, you're you're dead on. No, I, I,
0: January twenty sixth, <laughs> January twentieth for me. I, I feel I feel the same the same way when uh, you know I did the whole best of Baltimore thing, and it's like, oh yeah, you know we love it. You know we're so happy for you. I was like, yeah, I kind of got to keep it's, it's pressure more than you know something to rest on and. You know, when those different things come up like, yo, you're you're at 400 plus episodes. When are you going to celebrate? It's like, I just got to keep doing it. Like, you know, do I see progression? Am I impressing myself? Do I how do I feel about it? And really being, you know, counter to what people think you should be doing. It's like, man, you should be celebrating, man. Pop some bottles. Nah, got to just keep doing my thing. Because inevitably there's going to be that one interview that I'm looking forward to and I'm like, like more than your, your average one. And then I just bomb it. And I was like, yep, back to normal, back, back to the normal guy. I was, yeah. A hundred percent. And I mean, like, you know, if, if, if your best efforts,
1: right, if you hustling and you grinding and you doing your thing, if that gets you here, right? Like, let's say your next interview is, I don't know, who's somebody that you hold in high regard, somebody, somebody that you'd love to interview, obviously more than me. Questlove. Quest love. All right. So say, so you get quest love tomorrow, right? So you've reached the pinnacle of, of who you want to interview, man, all this hustle and all this work got you to quest love. Yeah. Who do you get next?
0: This More is true. Like
1: this same, The same amount of work, right? Who, who do you get next?
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was talking with someone about this recently. I was like, you know, I had this, this idea that, oh, it'll get easier once you get to a certain level. It's like, no, 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 you're, you're, you're identifying with it in the wrong way. It's just going to be be yeah. harder. Because now yep. you have that pressure on yourself in the back of your head that secretly it's like, you know, you're good, but also you want to be right too to say, oh, OK, maybe I'm not as good as I think I am. You want to be yep. right while still doing the work. Yep. And the
1: expectation is different, too. You know, I, I think once you reach a certain level, once you level up, you're expected to have leveled up.
0: So I want to I want to ha- I got two more. Well, this one has got multiple parts. Uh so I, I want to, and I, and I think you touched on this a bit, but I really want to like hammer this point home in this multi-part question. Um, so describe your overall like cooking and hospitality philosophy or what have you. And I, I think we got pieces of it. So maybe let's focus in the hospitality component of it. Cause you know, you're, you're, you're a hospitality guy with the, uh, with the food, sir, and the food like degree or what have <laughs> you. So let's, let's talk about that a little bit.
1: I mean, I think put simply, um, uh, hospitality is the way that you make people feel. Um, we asked this question in every, every like management level interview that I do. Um, I asked this question, I'd say, what's the difference between service and hospitality? So when mm-hmm. somebody tells you they go into a good restaurant, and they got great service. Is that the same as them telling you that they got great hospitality? And the answer is no. Uh, great service means I brought you a steak knife for your steak. Great service means I brought you, you know, a side of mayo cause you asked for it. Um, uh, hospitality is the way I make you feel. Mm. And I think hospitality starts in before the clients even walk in the building. Hospitality starts by the bathrooms being clean, the lights being turned down just right, the staff having family meal together, um, feeling good about one another, because when they feel good about one another, then then they're going to feel really good about the clients coming through the door. Mm. And I use the word client deliberately. You know, a lot of people say customer or guest and I, um, it's been kind of something I've been pushing in my business guys. There are clients, there are clients, there are clients. A customer is a very transactional thing, right? You come in as my customer. Yeah. I could be at a Seven Eleven. I could be, uh, at a dollar store. I could be at a target. I could be a whatever, right. You're going to come in, you're going to hand me a certain amount of money for, for, a for a a good or service. Um, and it's very, it's, it's very transactional. Um, for me, you know, I say client because, client is somebody that you develop a relationship with and the success of your relationship is predicated on, on what they give you and what you give them. It's like, if you have an accountant, you're that accountant's client, because that accountant's going to take the information that you give them, work those numbers the best way he can and give you the best result back. So it's a collaborative effort. I believe that the happiest clients that we have are the ones that know how to, how to have that collaboration with their server, with their bartender. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and it's more than it's it's the experience component that's in there. I think, you know, you, you touched on it earlier. Like, you know, how does a person feel like? Yeah. When I go to a place, I want to feel like taken care of, and I can say that in both Duck Duck Goose and both um, No Way Rosé. Like, you know, No Way Rosé was one of those. Where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? And I was like, all right, surprise, we're going. Let's make it happen. And yep. just going there, and you know, from from my vantage point, I'm looked at as the guy of yep. who's like, where, where does Rob say we should go? Because he, I already yep. vetted these things in that way. And I've sent multiple people to no way, Rose and duck, duck goose, just based off the strength of, I had a great experience there. And it's not like, Oh, I has some great food there. I could just, you know, go to a place. It's like, I'm going to eat. It's, I'm going to stay there for it's long enough there, there that there is to eat and then keep it moving. And it may not be a return thing. There's many places that I've gone that have great food. But I don't feel anything. I don't. I don't have that that lasting sort of effect. And I think when it's that sort of feeling, my thinking and how I kind of distribute my money is, I need to go back there and show them some love. That not. Yeah. It's not. I need to go back there and have a stake. Is I need to go back there and show some love. I need to do my 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 nice gratuity. Like especially at this point of the year, this uh, fourth quarter gratuity is at twenty five thirty percent minimum. You know, that's yep. that's where it's at at this point, because to your to your point, I think it's a relationship, especially if I go to a place and they're like, hey, I remember you. You're the guy that had, you know, this weird vermouth drink. Yeah, I am. Mm-hmm. You know, let's make it happen. 100 mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: percent. And it, it is it, it's it's about and, and if the hospitality is good. Right. Like if you walk into a place and they make you feel loved and obviously not every place is going to do this. Right. Like for, you know some of like the more fast casual places they're not going to do this but even still like the small touches will be there you know they'll make you feel welcome that you know somebody's not you know sitting there on their cell phone saying hey yeah what can i get you go ahead and put in your order they're saying hi how are you come on in what can i order what can i get for you like hey you ask them a couple questions about the menu they know what you're what 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 they're talking about when they're answering you that's what hospitality is it's a feeling of like hey you're safe here you're safe to spend your money here if you don't like what we, you know if you don't love what we have to give you we're, we're probably going to take the step to make it right
0: yeah. So talk about in in because you've been been doing it for a while and been successful and have various places that that you're like the 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 face behind and such, uh, tell me about the feeling that you have when there's like a huge service. Like what is that sort of anticipation? Is it, you know, I'm about to run through the tunnel and you know, tackle someone on, you know, in and, and, and Raven Stadium. What is that feeling, you know, you know, right before service, like that anticipatory feeling?
1: You know, when I know that we're walking into a very busy service, I just <laughs> sounds stupid, but I, I just, I try to be really calm. I mean, there's usually like a five minute, Hey, is this where it needs to be? Is that where it needs to be? But I, I get it all out of my system pretty quickly. Like if, if, if all my aces are in places and all my mise and place is done and, and, and I've, if I've put in all the work, it's like when you go to a, to a, to a race, right? Like a, it's called an indie race, a NASCAR race, whatever. Um sure you know, once the checkered flag drops, it drops. You can sit there and shit your pants for the next 500 miles. Or or, or you can just accept that it's going to be what it's going to be. And you put in all the work that you needed to put in to, to get to the best point possible. Um, so for me, um, I, I think, you know, going into service is just a very calm realization that, hey, like chef doesn't just mean guy that can cook. Chef means boss. Chef means um, kind of guiding light. Chef means um hey you know i got i'm a server i got sat three times in a row within two minutes of each other I, i'm trying to struggle to get these orders in and get their drinks out and do whatever i'm the guy in the back that's going to be like hey take a breath i got you don't worry about it yep. bring in your food I, if you haven't made a couple mistakes whatever it's cool i'm going to get you through it chef is the guy that hey chef i i'm i'm running low on some of my prep um, I'm. You know, what are we going to do? How are we going to get through it? All right, give me two minutes. Let me run downstairs for you. You stay on the line. I'm going to bang some more out for you. Bring it up to you so that you have a little bit extra, a little bit extra in the hole. So, so you're ready to go, and you're not, you're not too far behind.
0: I love that. My understanding is that you know at times restaurants are working on razor thin margins um with that in mind describe some of those like decisions you make in consideration of sort of sort of the, those margins because that's my understanding maybe i'm wrong maybe it's just everything is moving great there's no problems uh but you know with you know those thinner margins especially with inflation and all of that stuff that's been going on What are some of those decisions that you make in terms of maybe menu, in terms of maybe, you know, mostly menu, I guess, that um, considerations for you when it comes to some of these thinner margins and inflation and the things of the like?
1: It uh, it really affects
0: what you're able
1: to do, Um, you know, in the sense that, you know, there's razor thin margins on things like scallops. There's razor thin margins on things like foie gras. And you have to make the decision like, hey, am I going to take the beating on this? Like, am I going to am I going to maybe not even break even on a couple of these food items, but make sure that I have them on my menu so that I can offer it to my clients? Hey, you know, I could really use another food runner on my floor to make sure things are are super smooth tonight. But I, I don't know that I'm going to make enough to cover that amount of labor. Mm-hmm. You know, um, times are harder now than they have ever been. Um, and I'm glad you asked the question, because I think it's important to paint, to paint the right picture. And times are harder now than they've ever been um, for, for small business owners in general, I think, but it's specifically, um, you know, restaurant owners. It's the margins are getting, I mean, butter is almost <laughs> twice as much as it used to cost. Wow. I'm in a French restaurant. You think that doesn't affect me? Uh, Yes. I mean, a lot of the things you mentioned are expensive. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And, you know, uh, you know, having to, it's, it's, it's a difficult juxtaposition, right? Because you're having to one charge a lot more for the same products because you're paying a lot more, but also then you have to somehow compensate for that perception of value that mm-hmm. same piece of chicken that costed some and I'm using chicken just as an example but that same piece of chicken that costed somebody twenty one dollars is now in a lot of places costing people thirty dollars. Yeah. Now to the lay person to the lay client, to the lay client they don't know why it's costing nine dollars more. They might not even keep track of the fact that it's gone up a dollar, a dollar a dollar, a dollar. They just know that they're paying thirty bucks for a piece of chicken. Right. So, you know, everything else has to fall in order. So it becomes really hard to not have that extra food runner, to not have that extra busser. Those things, it becomes really hard to justify not having those people but man, I got to charge what I got to charge for the food. And I can only afford to have on the people
0: that I can have on. I remember um, seeing like just that that analysis. Like I said, I, I I talk with chefs. I like, I envy what you guys do. And I am I might have a, you know, a butcher's block here. I might have a chef knife, a little cast iron. I'm trying to do my thing in the crib. And, <laughs> you know, and, I, and I would talk to, to folks about like, so olive oil, I, I see that that's gone up like a lot. And you touched on butter. Jeez, geez, different things that they don't show up. Like you mentioned chicken right now and understand that. That was an example, but some of the things that go into making the actual dish have gone up considerably, and that's not even a line item on the menu. Like I'm not going into like duck, duck, goose, and let me get some olive oil, but there's olive oil that goes in that dish, so it's going to increase the cost of what that might look like at the end of the day and what that bottom line is. Uh Uh-huh, 100%
1: hundred percent. And, and, you know, everything's gone up and everything's gone up. Trash bags. Um, you know, I, I, I can't even, I haven't counted in a long time, but I have to imagine that one of my restaurants on any given night probably goes through about 25 trash bags. I mean, trash bags have gone up. Gloves have gone up. You, you name it. I mean, the cost of, the cost of utilities has gone up. Everything has gone up and I'm not crying poor. you know, that's yeah. not, that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm, I'm not crying poor, but, um, it is a, a very, um, it, it's it's a tough world out there for restaurants right now. Really, really tough. And and you know the bigger corporate places have it a little bit better. Um, you know they can write off losses, they can write off debt, they can do things like that. And, um, and good for them, right? I mean, I mean, I'm not knocking. I'm not knocking capitalism. But but for the smaller guys, it's it's becoming really tough. And yeah. it's also becoming really tough um, to to establish themselves as a smaller independent restaurants. You know, you're struggling just to to. To get your feet under you, you know how then do you also afford somebody to manage your social media? How then do you also afford somebody to manage your PR? Um, because nowadays, you know, especially in, in in the bigger markets, if you're not paying good money for good PR, guess what? Nobody's writing about your restaurant. It's that simple.
0: Yeah, yeah. So this last this is the last real question, and this is kind of the sort of summation. You've got a strong roster of restaurants, what have you just, just, I I did my version of a chef kiss for those who cannot see what I'm doing. Uh, How, how do you successfully oversee like these, these ventures? There's, it's a lot, you know, and you're, you're one person sort of in this, you know, kind of like executive chef owner role and you have like a strong team, I would imagine behind you and bringing in the good people. But tell me how you oversee like these ventures. Um, I I try to do
1: so as objectively and unemotionally as possible. Um, you know, if I, when I remove myself and my ego from the equation, um, none of the problems are really that bad. Uh, and I, I think the second part of that answer is I try every day, um, to surround myself with, um, with people that I would not mind one day owning a business with um i i have yet to find some of those people i already have some of those people but it's a constant um you know i yes today there are four restaurants um you know a year and a half ago there was two restaurants um and and that growth exponentially you know i i'm i'm trying every day to like put the right team in place um because like i said all, all uh, uh an idea doesn't grow a business. People grow a business and it takes time to, uh, it takes time to find, um, the, the right people. Um, you know, you don't need, you don't need a hundred people, um, to to really go out and crush it. Um, you need five or six, uh, you need five or six really committed people, um, that, that are bought in, um, that, that want to do a good job, for more than just a paycheck, that that want to go the extra mile, um, you know, however many days they're at work, they they want each day to be better than the day before. Not just for themselves, but for the entire company.
0: That's great, and and thank you, thank you for for that. I I, I really think this has been uh, insightful and eye opening. So shout out to you. Um, so thank I got. You. I got three. You're welcome. I got three rapid fire questions for you. And as I say, and this is going to be a challenge because we're in the same tribe, you know, you know, overthinking. <laughs> oh, don't overthink. Don't do that. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting chills because some of the things that you describe from your vantage point is really how I view podcasting. Sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, I want to have the right people around me. Also, make sure I don't put my ego to the side a little bit. Uh, all right. So don't overthink them. This brevity is key here. Um, what do you consider to be your signature dish? Beef Wellington. Mm, So you give me, give me things to look into, man. Uh, If, if, this is ridiculous. If an executive chef is the quarterback of the kitchen, who is the kicker? The general manager. (laughs) Does just have to just just make the field goals, just make the things you're supposed to make. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, lastly, um, you you, you touched on this a a little bit and I think I saw something in your background about this. Currently, of the things that exist, what cooking show would you like to be on? Man, there's so many. I know, right? And I watch I watched Food Network cooking shows. Whenever I travel, that's all I'm watching.
1: Somebody feed Phil. Is that a cooking show or is that just like an eating show?
0: It's an eating and travel show, and I really like that show. That's a That's a good one, actually.
1: I mean, that guy just seems like a ball of joy. Like, he's so happy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's eating like some fancy food and sometimes he's just eating a hot dog and the guy is just happy to be out in the world and meeting people. There's no airs about him. He looks like a total doofus, but he is such a sweetheart of a man, loves his parents, loves meeting people. Yeah. Somebody feed Phil. I would love to just go eating with Phil one day. I
0: I, I would as well. I, I, I agree with that. I'm on the same page. And, um, with that, I think that's where we wrap. Um, So I want to thank you for coming on to this podcast and chopping it up with me. And um, thank you
1: so much for having me. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And uh, I want to invite and encourage you to tell the listeners where to check you out, where to check out um, social media website, all of that good stuff and where to get that, that beef Wellington.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's not on the menu. It's something that I do for special occasions. I do it for special occasions. Um, But uh, you can find me at DuckDuckFuse and DuPont Circle, Bethesda, you can find me at no way rose in federal hill uh i am online at on instagram at chef Ashish alfred i am where else am i there's a bunch of instagram handles uh you can find me online at uh, the alfred restaurant group.com i think it's just actually alfred restaurant group.com
0: thank you and there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Chef Al, Chef Ashish Alfred, for coming onto the podcast and sharing his story with me. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there's our food community in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it.